Welcome in. It is the Crawford Talks. He is Jay Kaplan and I'm Mike Meltzer as we are in the middle of day 869 of the Major League Baseball and MLBPA negotiation, Jake, to hopefully start a season. So since we last spoke on uh, Monday, and we've got a couple things uh, during this episode, but it's going to focus on this negotiation because, damn it, it's it's the biggest thing and all, really the only thing going on right now in Major League Baseball. Uh, we had a report, I think Monday or Tuesday afternoon, that the owners are willing to play a 50-game season and pay the full prorated amounts of the player salaries for that 50 games. As you know, if you listen to or just consume the coverage or listen to our you know, podcast, our episodes, the union has countered Major League Baseball and they proposed a 114-game season. So to recap, the players are at 114 games. The owners are at 50 games. That's how far apart uh, we are. Jake, let me begin with this. Based on where both sides are, and I, I should also know that the owners, for whatever reason, are saying, nope, 50 games, we're not offering you a counterproposal right now. But they haven't are even... Are you optimistic? If, 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 if I don't, you <laughs> yeah, don't mind me like chiming in here, they haven't actually off, like proposed the 50 games. They're just doing it through the media. Right. Yeah, that's that's the really weird part to me because we're we're all on a text chain, right? You, myself, our producer Mike Zimmerman, and when this came out, I think Jeff Passan of ESPN was the first guy to report it on Sports Center, where he tweets something out, and I'm sitting there watching Sports Center for like ten minutes, waiting on this, <laughs> listening to you know God knows what. They got you. And then it comes out. Yeah, yeah. And then it comes out, and Passan says, "Well, the uh, the owners are willing to do full prorated for fifty games." And my thought was, okay. Now we're negotiating because I think the number is 82, as in 82 games. The uh, the owners had a horrible proposal last week, which I thought was laughable. The players came back at 114. They're not playing 114 games. And when I initially heard, hey, 50 games prorated, my thought was, okay, we can get that number up. You can kind of work with the numbers, and we'll get to around, let's say, 75 or 82. 75 wouldn't make sense. You got to have an even number of games, but you got the idea, right? Like, I, I thought we were making progress, but then... It seems, Jake, like that report is now sort of contextualized in a, well, no, the owners are just going to lay the hammer down, as in Rob Manfred, the commissioner, lay the hammer down, and he is going to just impose a 50-game season. And that leaves us feeling like the negotiation is still extremely contentious. Yeah, it's in a weird spot. I mean, I guess all of it's been been in a weird spot, but... Um yeah, I mean, since the players countered on what was it over the weekend? I've all lost yes. all you know track of time, but you know MLB just through the media has put out this fifty game threat, basically as a last resort option, but not actually countered back. And so, what's next? Like, are they waiting for the union to come back with another counter proposal? I'm not really sure, but. Um, yeah, it's a weird spot, and at the same time, here's where I am with it, you know, because MLB has put this out there that, you know, they are willing to basically just implement a 50-game schedule without an agreement. Um, in a way, I, I think my meet, my optimism meter for having any games this year went up because this is kind of like their fallback, but at the same time, that's just you know, like having games, like, I don't know if, if they're going to have, you know, a full, be able to complete a full season or a, a 
a full schedule um, or what, what would be a full schedule. I just yes, I, but I do I do feel a little bit more optimistic that there will be some sort of games played this year. Uh, although it doesn't sound like uh, doing it this way is you know <laughs> great for any side of it. So when you say that you're optimistic, are you more optimistic in a, well, if everything goes to hell, this is what Manfred's going to do, or more of in a, because Rob Manfred has this hammer, it's this thing that lurks in the background of the negotiation, which makes both sides ultimately reach a deal? Honestly, the first one, uh, which isn't which isn't good, because um, you <laughs> yeah. prefer that the sides can agree to something and it not be con- as contentious. I think it'll be contentious no matter what, but... Um, yeah, I mean, just the that I didn't think I don't think I realized that that he could just do that um, in the end, and I, I didn't either. And so that I think increases the odds that some games are played this year. I just I think there's a difference between like optimism for everything happening, like regular season playoffs, World Series, and optimism for something happening. I'm more in the something's going to happen camp um, because I think there's so much unknown with with uh you know the coronavirus still and just like how are they you know how it's going to work if they do play with testing and and the health and safety protocols that um i think there's a there's a big difference there between starting and finishing a, a, some sort of a season i definitely agree with the difference between starting and finishing i, I think almost every league's gonna gonna try to start and then whether they can finish depends a lot on can they follow their protocols what's what's the situation on the ground with the virus all that kind of stuff so with the 50 game season possibility how do you think jake people would react to having a 50 game season because i mean listen it's not a real season. It's not 162 games. We're not. Gonna, I don't think we're going to honestly view it that way. If you're honest with yourself, but it, call me crazy. I, I listen. I don't want there to be a baseball season where it's 50 games just because the commissioner lays the hammer down. Uh, both sides are extremely angry, and the players basically are, are almost "quote unquote" forced to show up to work. At the same time, if you tell me there's a 50 game Major League Baseball season. I would take it over zero games, definitely. And it would be kind of fascinating because there would be such a focus on every single game that I just really wonder what the reaction to that kind of season would be. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to what some of the, our listeners think. If you guys want to tweet at us or, or DM uh, DM us your thoughts on on how you how you view as a baseball fan what's going on right now and and how you think you would feel about a fifty game season. Um, I'd be curious to hear. I, I, I'm still kind of figuring out what I feel about it. I mean, obviously, I think some baseball is better than no baseball, but um, I don't think you know. I think an agreement would be much preferred than than this uh, hypothetical. Um, you know, Agreed on that. I mean, no matter what, the season's going to be viewed differently, right? It's going to be the strangest season um, we've seen. It's not going to be viewed the same way as an 162 game or even 140 game season would be. Um, I think it would be, you know, if, if they can come to an agreement and both sides feel good about it and it's safe, I think a short sprint uh, could be fun. And I think that, you know, there could be some some entertaining aspects to it, but Ultimately, when we look back years from now, no matter what, I think we're going to view uh, if they can get a World Series done, a 2020 World Series championship differently than the 20, 
2019 and 2021 um, and every other season around it. Well, that that part I definitely agree with. It, again, it's, it wouldn't be viewed the exact same way. Let, let me try to sell you on it uh, this way. So when you think about a 50-game season and what that kind of sample size is, if there is actually a 50-game season, Jake, isn't every team in the mix at least a little bit? So you're talking, I mean, if, if you right now are a Mariners fan, Tigers, Marlins, you know, Pirates, Royals, those kind of teams that are in complete rebuild mode, essentially, to some extent or another, if there's a 50-game season, isn't every single fan base in baseball, all 32, all 30 teams, like they're in the mix when there's a 50 game season? I know the, the legitimacy kind of goes away a little bit, but I do think there is a positive aspect in that just almost everybody has, I think, at least a chance to make the postseason or maybe if it's not to make the postseason, at least to make a run, which makes people think that these teams can actually make the playoffs. With 50 games, I think you're almost to where the whole league could be interested from a fan standpoint. I agree with that. I mean, think about how the Marlin or the, the Mariners started last year, right? Weren't they like... Yeah, I was thinking about really that. Really high. Yeah. I mean, it was only a couple of weeks, but... Uh, every team is capable of a run in a small sample size. Um, I, I'm thinking more like how many, before you get to that point, how many of these fans are you alienating by this process right now? Um, and and pissing off. And I think I, that's what I'm curious to hear from, from fans on online is like, I mean, if it takes all, you know, all this public negotiating and, um, and, and what we've gotten so far, like, are you going to get to you know, are you going to have all these fans left by the time you get to that 50 game season? Another thing, Jake, I've been kind of thinking about is how fair do we think each side is being? Because here's where I've been. Um, anybody who's listened to the last couple of, of episodes, I have been, I would say, 90 to 95% on the player side. But there are two things that I do want to point out in this podcast, in this specific episode, where I, I kind of push back a little bit on where the players have been. Number one, with all due respect, and I think I said this on Monday, they're not playing 114 games. I mean, we got a virus going on. The owners are not going to want to play baseball into November. Uh, I think that becomes very challenging from a television standpoint. We're not going to play 114 games. I don't think that proposal is a serious one. Just like I think the owners floating the idea of a revenue split 50-50 was not serious. Just like I think the owners proposal last week of their weird tiered players losing more money if they make more money. I don't think that was serious. I don't think 114 games is a serious one. Um, the other thing I want to mention, and I don't know if you agree or disagree with this, it, it seems like the all the media coverage that I read, it keeps framing uh, what's happened to the players as them already taking a pay cut. And while I can be sympathetic to the idea of, let's say, you know, a mile straw on the Astros, the guy who's going to make basically, you know, the minimum for a young player, and he's expecting to make a certain amount of money this year, he won't because they're not playing games. But to me the way I think about things because they're not playing games and the owners protect themselves by the language in the CBA and their force majeure clause, which specifically includes pandemic Jake. I don't think the players are taking a pay cut yet. I think that they will be and would be if they played, but I, I just don't know that it's fair to say the players have already taken a pay cut up until this point because there are no games. I disagree. Because they're still explain because they're expected to stay in tip top baseball shape right now, even though they're not getting paid for it. Um, and they signed contracts like 
you know, like if they sign, like, I guess the, the language is different for, for players who are on like guaranteed deals and, and, you know, um, lower level players who are just kind of finding their way now, but you know, they were supposed to make a certain amount this year and now they're not, um, they're making much less and it's going to be, um, at the very best case scenario, it's, it's half of what they were expecting, which is a huge cut. I, I, obviously they're not playing games, but, um, they were hired to do, to, for a job. And even while they're not playing, they're expected to be ready to play, uh, at a moment's notice. But here's the thing. Let me, let, let me do this. Let's say you and I, here's my counter. Let's say you and I were negotiating over something, right? And like you were going to set, let, let, let's say like, have, have we talked about your, we've talked about your Peloton bike, right? We've talked about that on this podcast uh-huh. and, and you're riding this bike during this pandemic and you're getting yourself in excellent shape. Let's say you sold that bike to me and somehow like there was an earthquake to where it made it impossible for forever for you to transmit that bike to me. Or let's say even weirder, there was a law passed that basically said, nope, you cannot sell Peloton bikes to somebody else. Then that basically makes the performance impossible, essentially. And I feel like we have a kind of sort of analogous situation happening here where the owners, even if they basically, yeah, even if they wanted to play games in April, May and June, like there's no practical way they could put on these games. So Al, so Jose Altuve was going to make $26 million this season. I don't think Jim Crane is cutting his pay by him not getting paid because he can't put on the portion of games that's going to lead to the first three months of that $26 million. So I don't think he's taking a pay cut, even though I am definitely sympathetic towards his expectation that, hey, I was going to make $26 million. I don't think that's like Crane imposing a pay cut. I just think it, the the performance of the contract has become impossible due to outside forces. Okay, well, my counter would be how many of our jobs around, you know, for those of us fortunate to still be employed, have changed and um, in the last three, and f- three or four months and our employers have adjusted. Right. Like, I I don't think there's a rule that you have to stop. You know, the owners don't have to not pay the players because there's no games. Um, You know, they sign these players to contracts um, for a year or for multiple years. And they are not paying them because of a clause in the in the um, contracts about national emergencies. But, you know, there's no rule that they had to do that. They chose to do that. They chose to not pay them. Agreed. They certainly could. Well, listen, I can't doubt that the owners have the ability to keep playing, to keep paying the players full fright. But I don't think just because they can do that and that is a possibility, it means that they're giving them a pay cut by just going by the, by the terms of the contract they signed whenever exactly they signed the latest CBA. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think we just view it differently. Um, so we can so we can agree to disagree on this one. Yeah, I definitely think they've taken a pay cut. I think a huge pay cut. And um, yeah, I think I think we agree to disagree. Okay, 
So we agree to disagree on that. Jake feels they've taken a pay cut. I have not. I, re- I respect the opinion. So we're a little bit different on that. Now, one thing about the owners, uh, what I don't like, Jake, is saying I, I, do, I, do, I do not like in a negotiation where one side is basically like, well, we are not going to make a counter offer. And the current state of the game here right now, the current state of play is the owners are saying we will not make a counteroffer to the player's offer of 114, playing 114 games. My question to you, though, is, is a 50-game full prorated salary, like when Jeff Passan reported that a couple days ago, is that an offer or is that a threat? Because it first seemed like an offer, and now it's more of a threat. And I'm honestly confused about, like, whose court the ball is actually in right now. Yeah, I am too. And I, I kind of... Um... It's kind of what I was saying earlier. I like I don't know what the next step is. Um, I guess it's back in the players' court, but I don't really know. Um, yeah, it was it was a little confusing with the, the report the other day from ESPN. Um, as at first, it seemed like that was an offer, and then it 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 seemed like it was a threat. So um, exactly. So yeah, I don't know what's next. You know, it's Thursday, June fourth. We definitely have to stop treating. June 1st or June 5th as some kind of significant date because those are passing and clearly nothing's getting done. Um, so yeah, I, I, I kind of, uh, I don't know what's next. And I, and I kind of, to reiterate what I said on Monday in Monday's podcast, like I don't think anything is getting done until they set a hard deadline because that's how you, you know, for whatever reason, deadlines are the only thing that way that people can get things done in baseball. Yes, and I, I think my, my my feeling remains that they're going to keep dragging this out. They'll come to a, a, a hasty deal when they're really up against it, and they're going to try to scramble to put everything together, and we'll kind of see where that goes. One point I do want to make, Jake, about where the negotiation stands, and I'm wondering if I am just like in Looney Tunes world, but I am genuinely wondering if these two sides are actually closer than they appear to be, like a rearview mirror or something. Because I'm looking at what's happening right now, and I understand a lot of it is the question of, okay, what the owners are saying about 50 games, again, 50 games, full prorated salaries, is that an offer or is that a threat? If it's more of an offer, here's what I'm thinking, and you tell me, Jake, if I am off or where I'm wrong on this. If the owners are willing to pay the players full prorated salaries for 50 games... I'm going to assume if they were willing to offer it for 82, then the players would take it. So now we're off basically by 32 games. Now, I know if we had some owner, you know, honk on here, he would say, well, you know, listen, they really worked hard to get to this like full 50. They're losing money on every single game, which I don't believe. But our difference now is 32 games. Okay, that's the gap. The gap is 32 games. And I'm wondering, can you divide those 32 games as in, let's say the deal is, okay, the owners play the pay, the play, uh, pay the players full prorated for, let's say, 60 games. Let's say 15 more games at 75% and seven at 50%. Or you mix in some deferred compensation in there as well. I totally get it. It is me spending the owner's money. I realize that this might be naive that I don't know. Nobody knows their books except them. But I'm just looking at where we are. Our difference right now is between 50 and 82. 
And I just have to believe there are enough basic or creative solutions so where we can bridge that gap and get a season of where I think it's going to be between, let's say, 66 and 82 games. I don't actually think these two sides are all that far apart the way I am looking at those numbers. Did you say an owner honk? Owner honk. Was that a weird phrase? I love that. I, don't, I love chill? that word. No, I love that <laughs> honk. I, I feel like we should say that more. Um yeah, I think you're right. I think, well, the players haven't said that they would do 82. We're kind of assuming, right, based off of, yes, um, you know, logic, um, that if they got full salaries for 82, they would do it, uh, or prorated salaries. Um, I agree with you. I think, you know, it is it, 50 to 82 is still 20% of a, a normal season. Um, it's not nothing. It's... It's obviously seems small in the, in the grand scheme of things of, of the negotiation, but it's it's I think that's that is what an owner honk would say. Um, yeah, I think that ultimately like a somewhere in the 60s or 70s games compromise with deferred salaries. And, you know, it seems like it's, it should be that simple, but, you know. It hasn't been to this point. It's June 4th. It is the not. The NBA is coming back. The NHL is trying to come back. And still MLBs, you know, alienating fans and pissing, pissing fans off by, you know, dragging this out. So it sounds easy, but obviously it's for them. It's it's not. Yeah, maybe maybe I'm way off here. Uh, I, I just think both sides can make this work if there's a true spirit of cooperation, which there really hasn't been. Another elements of this. Let's talk for a moment, Jake, about let's say about the Astros and a 50 game season. There was a very interesting story that Fangraphs did that you alerted me to where they kind of went into some detail about a 50 game season and they take they take the 2019 season and they divide it into different 50 game components. And they went like, you know, one through 50. They went 26 to 75 and they looked at the standings based on exactly those games. And what was interesting from an Astros standpoint is if you take the four, and I know you can divide it in a million different ways, 50 games, uh, but they did they did five total 50-game samples, 1 to 50, 26 to 75, 51 to 100, 76 to 125, and 113 to 162. In those five like sample sizes of 50 games, the Astros won the AL West three times, but they lost the AL West twice to the A's. I think by two games and three games respectively in those kind of sample sizes. And I just think that's interesting in the context of this kind of season because if you go through those 50 games, like the better teams are still usually better and the awful teams are usually winning like 15 to 17 games among a 50-game sample size. But... I mean, there's no doubt that the other teams in the AL West have a flat-out better chance to win if it's 50 games. Yeah, I mean, and and also, like, the 2020 Astros were, were going to be at least slightly worse than the 2019 Astros on paper. Agreed. Um, and the A's were probably around the same, I would guess, as they were. The Angels were going to be better. The Rangers had a chance to be slightly better. Um, yeah, I think it would be, like, a f- legit four-team race in a 50 game season for the AL West um and it would be you know just in a vacuum really fascinating but uh it is such a small sample and 
you know, one injury would make the difference in some cases, you know, um, there's also like the element of like, we don't know exactly how these players are going to come back after the layoff performance wise. You know, there's so much, yep. you know, I've, I've mentioned a few times, like the, the possibility of new injuries coming up, but even, even aside from that, like, you know, it's, they haven't played since real games since, you know, last September or October in the Astros case, October, uh, late October, but that's a long layoff. And I, I think there's going to be a lot of different, you know, like weird outliers, like some players you've never considered being like star level for 40 games. Right. And some stars that just like slump for 30 games and it ruins their whole season. You know, like I don't, it's just going to be so weird if it happens. I I was thinking Jake uh, last night about this. Let's say there's a 50 game season. You and I talked about our vision for the podcast when we first, you know, hung out, I think back in uh, December. And I think we were talking about, hey, you know, obviously normal 162 games. We weren't thinking about a virus, for God's sake, and how, you know, we would kind of do this uh, along the lines of the way that you write your stories, which is more, I wouldn't say like long form, but just kind of taking stories and not like doing game recaps, obviously, because that's not what The Athletic does. But in a 50 game season, like let's say there's a 50 game season, I feel like almost every single episode that we do is like almost a deep dive into the previous, you know, three to five games that have happened because there's such a premium on every single game in that kind of season that you almost have to treat them like their playoff games or their games in a pennant chase. If we got on here and the Astros had lost three in a row in a 50-game season, people are going to be panicking, essentially. Yeah, I mean, what's the max of a, a playoff run? 19 games is the most you could play in a playoff run? That's like... You know, like 50 is not too far away from that. It's not, yeah. Yeah, it would have, all the games would have a lot more intensity. I do think 162, things do tend to get long and, um, you know, it's hard to feel too much of a sense of urgency watching any of those games in a six-month season. But yeah, it would be, it would be pretty, uh, I think there would be a huge sense of urgency in every game. It would be pretty intense. Um, Players wouldn't have much time to really get into rhythm. Um, mm-hmm. it would be unlike anything we've seen, right? It would be almost like a, a tournament, um, where, like you said a few minutes ago, every team would have some sort of chance. Whereas in a 162 game season, I don't, I don't think the Tigers really have a chance or the Orioles really have a chance, but, yes. and they probably don't really in a 50 game season, but it would be a lot greater uh, of a chance and teams that were geared up to win now in 2020, like the Yankees, the Dodgers and the Astros, They'd still have the best odds in their divisions, but their odds uh, by virtue of the games, the the schedule would be uh, vastly diminished. Um, and so obviously it hurts. It hurts those teams most. But at the same time, um, you know, you can't control that when there's a pandemic. So it's I don't know. I think it's it's uh, it, it would be really interesting to see the Astros in a 50 game season scenario. Obviously, I'd hope I hope for more games than that. But. 50, yes. I mean, it would be a legit division race. And when's the last time they had one of those that, you know, it was 2015. So five years ago. Yes. Yeah. It, it's been a while since a genuine division race, as in things were in doubt in September. And I, I think you're ultimately right that 
if it was 50 games, when you look at the AL West, it wouldn't just be Houston and Oakland. Like you would have to put in uh, the Rangers and the Angels as teams that could over that kind of sample size actually win uh, the AL West. Jake, I do want to mix this in as well. So over this past weekend, two prominent people, um, one of whom I know a little bit, one of one I don't, uh, they were asked questions about the sign stealing scandal. The sign stealing scandal, and the premise was really basically the same. One was Bill Simmons on his podcast, and the other uh, is Mad Dog Russo, who does a show for SiriusXM, and he's on the MLB Network as well. So Simmons was asked in a mailbag, basically, that he, that he did, I think, a Friday. Is the season being postponed because of the pandemic a good thing for the Astros because people have forgotten about the sign-stealing scandal? So Simmons says that things played out in their favor because he was excited for the Astros to be a supervillain for everyone to root against. Now America can't do that, and it makes him sad because he was very ready to hate the Astros. Mad Dog Russo, a legend in sports talk radio, was asked in a QA, I think in the New York uh, Daily News. He was asked, Will the Astros be spared because of the pandemic? And Chris answered by saying he thinks the Astros got a big break. First of all, there's going to be no fans in the stadiums, so they can't get booed. Here's my quick reaction uh, I do agree that there is a break in that playing on the road will and would be easier for the Astros in 2020. I think of this, there is no question. Uh, I still think that they will be a big story as a villain, assuming there is a season because people are just going to be interested nationally in what they do. Uh, I also think that people will be able to hate the Astros nationally. And I guess the other point, and I know you and I have talked about this, you know, from time to time, this is a big year for the Astros. It's the last probably true year the championship window is open. Things, you know, kind of fall off precipitously because of the free agents after this season. Springer, Brantley, Gurriel, those kind of guys. And I think when people answer these questions in that way, they're really not thinking about the Astros long term contract situation like you and I might be. Yeah, I mean, I know this goes against the spirit of the thought exercise, but I reject the notion that, like, the season being postponed for a pandemic is good, quote-unquote, for anyone. Um, I know what they're getting at here, and I, we've talked about this, you know, probably closer to when baseball was first shut down. Um, yep. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, it's pretty s simple to me. Like, obviously, if you're an athlete, you'd prefer to not get booed as opposed to getting booed. And you'd prefer to win a World Series as opposed to not winning a World Series. And so there's nuance involved here. Like, obviously, if there's no fans in the stands, um, the Astros won't get booed this year. Um, I'm sure they would prefer to not get booed as opposed to getting booed. But at the same time, as we just touched on, their, their World Series odds go way down this year um, by virtue of the situation. And I'm sure that they would rather win a World Series as opposed to to not win a World Series. So, I don't know. I think – I don't know, like, what the ambiguity is here. Like, it seems like a um, – I don't know. Kind of a weird well, topic. It, it, <laughs> well, my, my, my thing, Jake, is if the idea is, well, the Astros were going to be a supervillain and now America can't really make them a supervillain – why would they not be able to do that? Is it because they can't congregate in person? I'm <laughs> like, sure, that's, Twitter, that's I'm sure I'm Twitter will still have, you know uh, – it's fun with the Astros if there's a 50 game season. I agree with you. Like, I, I absolutely. I, I mean, most people <laughs> are watching on TV and 
re- anyway yeah, relative to being in the stands in a normal year. So yeah, I don't really. I mean, obviously, like we did talk about in the podcast early in March, like the psychological challenge the Astros were going to face, and obviously, you know, the in-person booing would go out the window. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure like every time any one of these guys uh, tweets, their their mentions light up and. And yes. so, like, yeah, I mean, that's still there. I mean, I, and I think once baseball's back, I'm sure fans will still boo them. It's just, yeah, know, I, it's just, uh, I don't know. I, I, it's not something I've spent much time thinking about because I just think it's like kind of like a no duh. Like, there's no fans; they're not going to get booed. Yeah, I, I've, I've, I've thought about it possibly a little bit more, and I think I mentioned this once before. I, I think where it helps them the most, and again, it, it's for terrible reasons. It's, it's more just us kind of analyzing the, the competitive impact of everything that's gone on in the world since February and March. My thought is, you know, and you, you even mentioned it, Jake, when, when we discussed Altuve and how, uh, I guess, broken up he was about everything going on when spring training started. I would think if I was one of those players that there was going to be this real psychological toll. I mean, Dusty Baker in the in the podcast he did with uh, Jason Stark and Doug Lanville last week, he had this story about how I guess some kid was yelling at the Astros for being cheaters in spring training, and he saw tears rolling down the face uh, of an unnamed player, and like that kind of that kind of stuck out to me. And I just think from a psychological standpoint. It might benefit, again, for awful reasons, but just analyzing it just as, as black and white as I can. Uh, I could see where if, I, if I'm one of those players, I imagine the period from November to February was probably one of the worst in my life, if not the worst. Now I've had the thing that I love most or among the most playing baseball taken away that if and when you come back, that it sort of makes you appreciate playing baseball even more so. And you don't have to deal with the psychological elements, especially this season with no fans in the stands. That's kind of my concluding thought on, on the pandemic and how it affects the sign stealing. One other thought. Um, are we sure there's not going to be any fans in the stands all year? I am not 100% sure. What do you think? I think it's highly unlikely, but, you know, I mean, Texas has said that they would allow 25% capacity in pro sporting events. Um, for outdoors. For outdoors. Um, Outdoor, <laughs> outdoor yeah, events. <laughs> thanks for that clarification. That's important. It, uh, that's key. <laughs> um, especially here. But, I, I, I mean, I think, like I said, I think it's highly unlikely, but I, I think... Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think there's some modicum of a chance that something's allowed. I don't. I think you, uh, we spoke on the phone yesterday, and, and we we're talking more about like it's the bigger question is probably the, the football football season and and how yes how they deal with fans in the stands. Um, but you know, I don't think it's been like definitively decided a hundred percent that like it won't be allowed by September. I mean, I'll put it this way. I I think that they would have to go through, like, let's say, let's say, let's be optimistic, say the season starts, you know, in the middle of July. I think that, Jake, they would need to go through almost, you know, uh, six or eight flawless weeks before they even think about seriously doing that. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I would, I would probably um, veer, I would definitely veer on the side of safety, but, and, and, and not do it, but, you know. I'm I'm not the one making these decisions. So I, I and neither are you. So I think uh, 
you know, I've been surprised by a lot of decisions made, you know, in terms of like how, how stuff's opened up and all that stuff. So like, you know, I, I just, I'm kind of uh, keeping my mind open in terms of like what they're going to allow. Cause September's still a long way away from now. It's only June 4th. Like, you mm-hmm. know, um, they could change what what's allowed and what's not allowed but, but between now and then. Jake, real quick, uh, can you plug for the audience? I know you and Mark Craig worked on a story that came out today about baseball players and what they were considering doing with a barnstorming, barnstorming tour back in 1995. Yeah, so live on Thursday morning, we posted this story about um, it, during the strike in 94, 95, um, which... Uh, I think is it's easily the strangest uh, and mo- strangest season until now, right? Um, the players, yes. you know, while things were super contentious, the players um, hatched this idea of a barnstorming tour, kind of an old-fashioned, you know, barnstorming tour. So, uh, Mark, it's not a story that many people knew about. So, Mark and I um, kind of dived into it over the last couple months. And um, got to the bottom of where things stood, how real it was, um, and it was it was a fun project to work on. Um, I would encourage everyone to read it. There definitely would have been, you know, some Astros uh, in the mix to be involved, like Jeff Bagwell, Craig Biggio, Ken Caminetti, uh among them. So it, it was it was it was a cool project to work on and a fun like little sliver of baseball history that I didn't know about, and I don't think many people did. Make sure you guys check it out. How baseball's players hatched a plan for a wild barnstorming tour in 1995 on The Athletic. Make sure you subscribe to The Athletic. Check out all the great work by Jake and all the other great writers, including from a baseball standpoint, everything Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellick have done as far as keeping up with the minute-by-minute details about the negotiation that continues to go on between Major League Baseball and the Players Association. This has been the latest episode of The Crawford Talks, an Astros podcast brought to you by The Athletic. 